Tweet at him at underscore Adam Crowley. Oh, no, finish your tweet. It's not, it, that's, just give us a second. There you go. Hashtag it. This is the Adam Crowley Show on 970 ESPN and now on 106.3 FM. Penguins Flyers, Wednesday at 7 o'clock. I'll be at Buford's prior to the game, which means I won't get home until the first period's over. None of you care about that. Pisses me off, though. Zach Aston Reese plays like he's peed off all the time. He joins us now on the program. Zach, hey, thank you so much for taking the time today. Hey, Adam, thanks for having me. Zach, a little over a year ago, you wrapped up playing at Northeastern. You're pinching yourself a little bit right now with the playoffs around the corner. Yeah. Um, you know, back in my junior year, we got to, uh, win the Hockey East, uh, championship. Um, you know, we had quite the playoff run there. Um, I didn't get to participate last year, unfortunately, but, um, you know, I'm really excited for this year. Does it mean more because it's the Flyers? Does it mean more because you're from an area where I'm sure there are a lot of Flyers fans? And as I understand it, you grew up a Penguins fan, yes? Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, the rivalry will always be there. It's been there for a long time. Um, but at the, at the end of the day, I mean, you got to control what, what you can control. Um, so, I mean, if it's the Flyers, whoever it may be, I think we need to have the same approach. I imagine in the playoffs, like you just said, it doesn't so much matter who you're playing because you want to beat whoever's on your schedule to get to your ultimate goal, certainly. Um, but with Philadelphia throughout the regular season, when – that team comes to Pittsburgh or you guys go out there, is there a different feeling about playing them? Um, I, <clears throat> the times we played Philly, I, uh, I was injured. Um, you know, I was out for a month, so I didn't get to play those games. But uh, down at Wilkes-Barre, whenever we played Lehigh, that was a pretty big rival. and um, You know, those, ga- those games always mean a little bit more than Hershey. So. Zach Aston Reese joining us here on the Crowley Show. Uh, who are some of the players you admired growing up, Zach? Because you've got a, a very physical style, and uh, you look like you're a, a tough guy to play against. Uh, it's actually funny. My favorite player growing up was Kovalev. Who, uh, <laughs> those those things would not be used to describe Kovalev, no. Yeah, so, um, you know, I wore 66, I think, when I was a squirt, and then, um, you know, I started watching more hockey, and, I switched my number to 27. I had that for a few years because of Kovalev. Um, yeah. <laughs> Were you ever that kind of player growing up? Did you ever have that kind of offensive skill? I thought I did. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, as I got older and um, I just played a more physical game and um, kind of relied on scoring goals in dirty areas instead of, you know, putting it through a guy's legs and then buy down. Watching... Patrick Hornquist over the last couple of years. Uh, it's not the beauty that I think a lot of people would associate with uh, the game of a guy like Alexei Kovalev, but a lot of people say that they that you kind of remind them of Patrick Hornquist. Uh, I think that kind of game can kind of be beautiful in its own right, no? Yeah. Um, you know, when I first got called up, um, Patrick was out. But since he's been back, I mean, it's, it's been incredible to watch. Just... Um, just the whole skill set he has around the net um, and the battle level um, and the mindset that it takes to, to do what he does is 
um, you know, pretty big capacity. So uh, it's been nice to uh, to be able to watch and, and learn from that. How the intensity today at practice compare to maybe the end of the regular season? Was there an extra jump out there? People more vocal? What's going on out there? Uh, I mean, I think start, it's kind of started last week, um, you know, before the Washington game and um, that last stretch of three games we had a practice in, and uh, it was a really good practice. I mean, we haven't had much practice time, but, um, you know, you always got to take um, advantage of those opportunities, and uh, it's definitely high intensity, and the, and the pace is up, and, and guys are dialed in. It looks like you're going to start the playoffs on the fourth line. Or I guess you were rotating there today. How do you think your game translates to the fourth line at the NHL level? Pretty well. Um, you know, I my last couple of years at Northeastern um, started putting the puck in the net. Uh, I think if your team wants to make a, a big playoff push, you need um, you know secondary contributors, um, and that comes from your third and fourth line. Um, whether it's putting the puck in the net or keeping the puck out of your own net. Um, I think that's a role that I fit into well. Um, and bringing energy, I mean, being able to hit guys and, and kill penalties is also a big part of it. Um, you know, kind of the work that goes unnoticed, but um, it's something that makes makes a team go further. How do you feel about being on the penalty kill unit? Uh, something that uh, you guys have struggled with or had struggled with until late it seems like you guys are getting your feet back under you yeah um you know i i thought for um while it was may seem like a struggle on on paper i think we were limiting teams chances and then you know we'd give them one great a right at the end of the power play and it end up in the back of our net um so it was just a little mental lapse that that we all talked about um and I mean, everyone has a great mindset. It's always easier to get up when you have a guy down and, and work that much harder. Zach Aston Reese joining us here on the Crowley Show. Obviously, you've gotten some time with Sid. How do you think your game meshes with his? Um, uh, I mean, it's hard to to, uh, to measure your game up to Sid because <laughs> uh, you know he's just a world class player. But um, I mean, he 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 elevates your game. Whoever he plays with, he elevates their game and. Um, you know, I played with him and got my first NHL goal, so that was that was a pretty incredible moment for me. What kind of leader is Crosby off the ice? You hear stories all the time about guys being brought in after the trade deadline and Crosby taking him to dinner, things like that. How did Crosby welcome you to the room? Um, same way. I mean, we didn't have dinner or anything, but um, you know, he's just like a, a really easy guy to talk to. Um, you know. Just right off the start, he came up to me and introduced himself and, um, you know, knew a little bit about me and just had a regular conversation with me just like as any other teammate would do. Um, you know, he doesn't put himself up on a pedestal and, um, you know, he has a drive to win and, you know, he, he's, a, yeah, he's an incredible leader. Who are the dudes so far that you feel closest with on the team since you've been up? Um, I mean, there's a few guys that, that are still in the hotel, um, guys that have spent some time down in Wilkes, uh, you know, Casey DeSmith and, uh, Dominic Simone. So we kind of hang out close, um, hang out a lot and we're pretty close. And then, I mean, no one in particular, I mean, it's, I mean, everyone gets along and, and guys are always hanging out with each other. There's not a lot of clicks and things like that. 
Zach Aston Reese joining us here on the Crowley Show. What's the message in the room? Is the focus on the three championships in a row, trying to do something that you don't see happen very often at the National Hockey League level, or is it all about one game at a time? Is it just about this year? Who, who's thinking what, and what's the message out there? Yeah, I mean, that's always on your mind, um, you know, having a three-peat, especially uh, in today's sports world. Um, you know, it's always tougher with salary cap and, and things like that. You don't really return uh, the same players as previous championship teams. But the message in the room right now is just one game at a time and, um, you know, don't deviate from that. How do you, as a team, address what happened in 2012 with the Flyers? Is it anything that's even discussed? I know uh, you as a Penguins fan growing up, I'm sure that left a bad taste in your mouth then. Uh, for all Penguins fans, they feel the same way. But that series doesn't have much to do with now, does it? No. Um, you know, guys haven't said anything about that and coaching staff hasn't. Um, I mean, yeah, no, no one's really talked about that. What has it been like to play for Mike Sullivan, who's been able to push all the right buttons? He's 8-0 in playoff series as the Penguins coach. Uh, how does he talk to you? How does he talk to each of the guys? Uh, what's his mindset like? He's really determined and, and really focused. Um, one of the things I noticed right away coming up is he's really detailed. So... If a meeting is at, you know, 5 o'clock, it doesn't start at 4.59, it doesn't start at 5.01, it starts right at 5. Um, so it's kind of just that way all across the board. Um, he treats his players with respect and and listens to their feedback. And, you know, he's he's been really good to me. And, um, you know, he was in the college hockey world for a bit too. Sure. So, um, you know, it's nice to have that um, similar trait. Well, let's stick with that a little bit. I guess both college hockey and uh, the way Mike Sullivan uh, talks with you and addresses some of the younger guys. Uh, you'll hear from everybody, Connor Sherry, Brian Russ, Jake Gensel. They've provided depth the last couple of years en route to the two championships, uh, and Mike Sullivan treats them like they're just any other guy, not a young player in the room. And I'm not going to name any names, but past Penguins coaches, that was always kind of one of the the knocks on them was they, they weren't always willing to trust the young players. What's it mean to come in and to immediately be trusted by uh, this coaching staff who's had so much success? It means a lot, um, and it's not something that's just given. Um, you know, the coaching staff from the whole staff of the Penguins organization from NHL to American League is pretty close-knit and um, you know, there's a lot of back and forth and everyone is in the loop. Um, so for me, it started down in the American league and rounding out my game and, um, you know, coming up coach Sullivan knew what kind of player I was. Um, and then it was a matter of me going out there and doing it again at this level. Um, so, you know, over the course of 10 games and then the last six games, it's something that you have to build each game, uh, with your actions. Thanks a lot for your time, uh, Zach. Really appreciate it, man. And go out there and beat those Flyers scum, all right? All right, sounds good. Thanks for having me. Hey, be good out there. Thanks very much. There you go, Zach Aston Reese, the Pittsburgh Penguins. I don't know what that just was. Be good out there? Don't be good out there. Be a D-bag out there. Ruffle some feathers. What is it, Tom? I, I think he meant, like, be good in your play. Like, score some goals, have some apples, you know. I just want him to break some face. 
I think the Penguins have guys who can score goals. And Aston Reese, I think, is going to be a fixture on the top two lines for the Penguins the next couple of years. But now they don't need him to put the puck in the net. It wouldn't hurt, but I think he's going to be a tone-setter guy. I think the fourth line has the ability to do that now. I like some of these guys. Zach Aston Reese, obviously, he's got the pedigree, and he's young. And I think you need an infusion of youth to win the Stanley Cup, as we've seen the last couple of years. But... I think Josh Joris provides great depth down there, and I think he needs to get a little bit better on the penalty kill, but I'm looking forward to what else he's able to bring to the table. And Riley Shane, if he's on your fourth line, I think you're okay with that. And the Penguins also have the ability to move players around. If Brian Rust needs to be on the fourth line, that could work. If you've got him and Riley Shane, I think they can drive play there. If the Penguins want to roll four lines, Zach Gastonry certainly has the pedigree to go up top and play with Sidney Crosby. Uh, Patrick Hornquist can play in the first line or the third line or the second line. Uh, these Penguins are so interchangeable with the depth that they have. Man, they're going to be a tough out. Again. 412 is the number. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Thanks to Jen Bellano. Uh, and Jason Seidling for making that interview happen as the Penguins play the Flyers coming up at 7 o'clock on Wednesday. Here's one thing that I didn't get to earlier in the show and I've kind of been waiting for. Teams did not tank to avoid the Penguins. They just didn't. I understand why people would think so, but Columbus didn't lose their final game and sit a bunch of guys because they didn't want to play the Pittsburgh Penguins. Washington's no cupcake either. That's not what happened. New Jersey did not tank to avoid the Penguins. They've had success against Pittsburgh this year. I think it always comes down to practicality. I think it always comes down to wanting your players to be healthy and weighing that as opposed to the playoff matchup. I would always want my team to be healthy as opposed to playing players in a meaningless game. We talked about it about the Steelers this year. Uh, Do you push and allow your players to play games at the end of the season because uh, you want to have that rhythm going into the playoffs? Or do you say, eh, you know what, I'd rather sit them and and just let them be healthy? For me, I'm always going to say health. I don't believe in the rhythm nonsense. And as for the hockey side of things, I'm always going to try to be healthy. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's the most important thing. I would not have played Matt Murray against the Flyers in the finale two years ago. He suffered a concussion. I ripped Mike Sullivan after that. The last time I think that I did rip Mike Sullivan, but I ripped him after that. I didn't think it was worth it. They wanted Matt Murray to get more reps in a playoff-style atmosphere, but it wound up getting him hurt, and the Penguins had to rely on their third-string goaltender, Jeff Zatkoff, going into the series against the Rangers. I'm always on team health. I think those teams were on team health, and all these teams believe in themselves. Because they've all got strengths, they've all got weaknesses, but so does everyone else. So it's not about avoiding teams. I don't think that that happens as much as fans think that that happens. But what say you? You can weigh in, 412-922-2874. Up next, Matt Geica will. He of PittsburghHockeyNow.com. You're listening to The Crowley Show. One decision. Endless possibilities. California University of Pennsylvania opens your mind to more than 100 programs of study. Programs that matter to business, to justice, to our environment, to the future of our world. California University of Pennsylvania, because the world is waiting for you. Visit or apply online at calu.edu.
Yeah, I think that the Blue Jackets were scared. New Jersey, not so much. The Jackets, though, maybe a little scared. Teensy bit worried that Bobrovsky's going to pee down his leg again. He's been known to do that in the playoffs, that Bob. Not the best playoff performance. Thanks again to the Penguins public relations staff. Thanks to Zach Gaston Reese for taking time out of his day. Talks of Penguins playoff hockey. Seems like a nice dude. I love his game. I thought he played solidly once he got back from injury. He's good on the penalty kill. He can add some scoring pop to the fourth line. I like his game. And I know a lot of people have been talking about how deep the Penguins are lines one through three, but I think the fourth line has a chance to be really good. If you've got Riley Shane. And Zach Aston Reese, two players who are offensively gifted, and then you throw Josh Doris out there. I like that group. And we'll see what happens whenever Simone is around. I think they've got options there. They've got the ability to plug and play, mix and match. They've got the chance to have a fourth line with some scoring punch. Something that we are used to seeing really around these parts. But even if it just winds up being a storage bin for penalty killers, I think you're okay there too. Because the top three lines are that good. And we can talk about rolling four lines a bunch, but when Derek Broussard's your third line center and Phil Kessel's playing right wing and yet Riley Shane who's playing well, or pardon me, Connor Sherry who's playing well on the left, I think that you're going to be all right, man. More than all right. We'll talk to Matt Geica about that right now from PittsburghHockeyNow.com. Geica, can you play the accordion? <laughs> uh, very poorly. It sounded like a strangled cat, I suppose, when I gave it a shot. But that thing was it's difficult. It's got like three different things going on there. It's like playing the organ in church with all the pedals and whatnot. Do you play the organ at church, Geica? <laughs> no, I don't, but I've also been intimidated by that. I was just trying to make a reference uh, that was more palatable for your mass audience here. Well, uh, that's a shot at me, I think, whenever you say mass audience. Or it's a pun. I'll take the pun, though. That that might not be bad. Okay. Well, let's go with the latter. It's we'll, a pun. We'll go with the latter. Matt Gajka joining me here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Matt, we were just talking to Zach Aston Reese in the last segment, and name drop. Wow, damn right, buddy. I think <laughs> that the Penguins' top three lines are as good as anybody's in hockey, obviously. But I like the idea of their fourth line with Riley Shane and Zach Aston Reese on it. I think that they could play some. If they're not going to play a bunch of minutes, I still think they could play meaningful minutes. Well, it reminds me a lot of the fourth lines they've had in recent years, mostly because of the center with Shea, and he's on par with a Matt Cullen and his ability to kill penalties, win face-offs, and, and play well on his own end, and give you a little bit at the offensive side, too. And, yeah, Aston Reese gives you some upside as well. I think he's uh, better than, say, a Scott Wilson, who was playing in that spot at this time last year. Maybe not as quick as Wilson, but... He gives a different element, and that line with Shane isn't going to be a burner line anyway. It's going to play at a slower pace than, than most of the Penguins forward. So, yeah, it all does fit, and we shouldn't overlook the fact that getting Broussard back, if he does play in game one, just uh, enhances the fourth line, too. It all trickles down from there. Without a doubt. Uh, when talking about the Penguins' matchups against Philadelphia, who do you expect each line to draw? Uh, I think it's going to be Crosby's line versus the Couturier and Giroux line. After that, I don't know if I'm quite so sure, but after that, 
I don't think that the Flyers have to like their matchups. No, when they get past the the top line uh, in Philadelphia, there's not a lot there. And that's the the hazard, if you will, of of putting Claude Giroux on the wing. Because in the past, you could have Couturier as your second-line center and Giroux as your first. And there would be, I think, a a real choice there for Dave Haxtell and the Flyers in terms of when they have the last change or even when they don't, as far as like who they want out there to try to check the line that's going the best for the Penguins. But with Giroud and Couturier together, then it's maybe Yori Lettera, the uh, the former Blue, checking Malkin. He's a bigger body, but it doesn't look good for uh, for Philadelphia once you go further and further down the line chart. So there's some high end ability there in Philly, no doubt, but the depth just can't match the Penguins. So that would be the thing that I'd be worried about. They're going to need all their foot soldiers to come through in big ways to extend this series out. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, One thing I am worried about with Philadelphia, we haven't talked about this much on the show today. We've got three days prior to the Penguins playing Philadelphia, but uh, the thing that scares me is the Flyers defensemen jumping in on the play, something the Penguins have struggled with lately. I actually think they got a little bit better at it uh, this last maybe week or so, but that's an area that would scare me a little bit if I'm a Penguins fan. And that's just modern hockey. It's not even just the Flyers. Sure. Plenty of, plenty of teams play that way. You get the fourth and your fifth man involved in the rush and in the attack just generally in the offensive zone. That's the way the Penguins like to do it. So, you know, in theory, Adam, they should be used to defending that sort of thing in practice and, uh, and seeing it from the other side of it if you are defending it, which they, they do quite a bit. So, um, it shouldn't be a matter of sorting out the rush or, you know, being intellectually challenged by it. It's just matching the um, matching the competitiveness of it, matching the, the pace of it with your legs and, and making sure that you don't just give up on a back check because you think everyone's covered. It's knowing that the fourth or the fifth man is going to come in late. And that last game against the Flyers in the regular season was a great example of that, uh, that situation, burning the pens when you had Manning scoring from the outside and, uh, there were a couple of goals, actually, right. where the Flyers hit the late man. So they're going to be looking for that, and it'll be on the Penguins first and foremost to counter it, and then, well, then the Flyers will have to respond to it. But that's the first thing if you are the Penguins and and uh, you're going into this series. Uh, the transition game for Philly is where they're probably going to hurt you. So defend the puck, protect the puck, and uh, make good decisions with it, number one, because that's how you'll limit those types of opportunities. Back to the matchup quickly uh, as it relates to the lines here. Nolan Patrick and Oscar Lindblom on the second line. Uh, certainly a lot of talent there. And Jakub Vor- uh, Voracek, pardon me. While they're talented, uh, that's a young line going up against perhaps Malkin's line where you've got uh, he uh, and uh, Patrick Hornquist and, of course, uh, Carl Haglin. I-, I don't know, again... If you're Philadelphia, you're picking your poison there. And then you've got Broussard and I mean, I could just talk about the line combination for the Penguins all day long. <laughs> well, they're good, and you should. Uh, this is, you just said it's the best top three lines in hockey, maybe the best forward core in hockey when everyone's healthy. I don't think that was an exaggeration at all on your part. And well, that's why I mentioned Yori Lettera, perhaps, as being, he's typically the third line center for, for Philadelphia, but if you're talking matchups, he's more of a defensive oriented guy. Sure. And then you throw Lindblom and Patrick out there, I would suppose, against Broussard, but Broussard needs to be defended. And so does Phil Kessel, obviously, as a top-ten scorer in the NHL. So, yeah, someone's going to have to 
uh, grow by leaps and bounds here for Philadelphia. And maybe it is those, those youngsters you just talked about. Patrick's got good ability. I'm not sure he's on the level of, of Heesher in New Jersey, but he was a worthy number two pick this past year. And Lindblom's developed nicely, too. So, uh, well, they, they've gotten this far, Philadelphia has. And I'm not underestimating them by any means. I, I feel there might be some in Pittsburgh who are because of the whole loser point thing. But you have to be pretty good to get to overtime in the NHL. And they did quite a bit just because they didn't score a ton in three-on-three and, and didn't come through in the shootout. Don't let that deter you from thinking this could be a, a close competitive series. Well, it, it, you're right about that, and I'm—I mean, I'm writing the Flyers off. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I think the Penguins <laughs> win this sure series. Like yeah, I, I think they're going to win this series in five games. But the Penguins played the Rangers a couple of years ago, and the Penguins were maybe the worst team to make the playoffs. Uh, they snuck in the last game whenever they beat a bad Buffalo Sabres team, and they beat them in a close-fought game. And then they played the Rangers in round one, the team that had won the President's Trophy, and it was a five-game series. It was short, but the Penguins fought in every single game, tooth and nail. That's what playoff hockey's all about. These aren't going to be a bunch of blowouts in route to a five-game series. That's not the way it works. No, they could be high-scoring games, but I don't think they're going to be blowouts necessarily. The league is, is too close, and it's really foolish in my mind to pick a, a sweep now yeah a great game series it could happen sure and the example you bring up uh, might have actually been uh, mike johnson's best coaching job <laughs> i thought he did a really good job in that series adjusting because uh, the penguins were not very good that year they were down to five defensemen for the last couple of weeks you might recall because of the salary cap snafu and some injuries that came up and the rangers were just flying by him and that whole series helped to prompt jim rutherford to make this team faster and look where we are a couple of years uh, later on down the road. But the difference between those two um, series that we're talking about here is that the Flyers can also move. They can keep up with the Penguins. So um, I don't think it's going to be the case of either team just batting down the hatches and absorbing pressure. There's going to be punch and counterpunch here, which is good for the entertainment value and uh, bad for everyone's blood pressure here in town. But I think it should be, if you're a fan of hockey, you're going to love this series. Goaltending for Philadelphia has been an issue since 1975. Uh, Ron Hextall, obviously uh, the best goaltender that uh, they've had between uh, now and then. What do you make of what they've got at the back end right now? Not great. Not great at all. The only respite for Philadelphia in this case is that Matt Murray hasn't played his best this season. I don't think he has yet. Maybe there were a couple of games here and there where it looked like the old Matt Murray. Weird to say about a 23-year-old, but it looks like the, the Matt Murray of the last couple of years, at least. And uh, for Philly, though, it's, it's not a pretty picture. I've never been a big fan of Brian Elliott, a positional goaltender, <clears throat> excuse me, not an athletic goalie by any means. He's not going to steal a game or a series for you. And then you have Peter Mrazek, who runs really hot and cold. So he's the type of guy, if he's playing well, then uh, you might have a situation where, uh, where he does take a game away from the Penguins if they dominate in terms of possession and shots and, and all the things they're looking for. But I also don't like him to hold up longer than a couple of games at a time. So there you have it. They, they threw a third goalie in there, Lions, who I wasn't impressed by in the last matchup of the regular season between these teams. So I think you still, despite all the, the caveats about Murray, you have to give the edge, uh, at least give the check mark to the Penguins in this area too. It's... Um, you know, the, the Flyers have some interesting prospects coming up, but as for right now and maybe even next year, I'm not sure they're ready to go. Uh, well, I know right now they're not ready to go, so they're just going to have to get through it for, for the time being. 
Let's talk a little bit about Chris Letang. He's back for the playoffs this year. How do you evaluate his play of late? Uh, what do you think he can bring to the table in the playoffs here? Well, well, speaking of a guy, he's like Matt Murray. We've seen better from him in recent years, and uh, there are extenuating circumstances. With Murray, it was the death of his father, and with Letang, it was a life-changing and certainly a career-changing surgery last spring. And, well, he's discussed it multiple times. He's been very candid, in fact, in the second half of the season, saying this has been a lot harder than he thought it was going to be to try to change his game and, and live for another day, so to speak, in some of these spots in games where in previous years he might have exposed himself to a big hit. So he's not the same player, and if he's going to try to play this way, I'm not sure he's ever going to be the same player because you have to take chances uh, and, and put yourself at risk to play the type of game that he used to and that, that made him overall one of the more dynamic defenders in the league. But even if he's just one step back, and I'm not talking about it physically, I'm just saying uh, production, then I think he's still good enough because we saw last year you took – Chris Letang out, and you put Ron Hainsey in, and the Penguins still figured out a way to do it. Now, uh, that's not ideal, and I wouldn't bet on them to replicate that sort of an exchange. But uh, Chris Letang in his B game, I'd still take him over, I don't know, 95% of the defensemen in the league, if not more. Uh, it's, it's on Justin Schultz to, uh, to play like he did last playoffs. It's on players like Ole Mata, who was healthy all season long. Uh, gave you a nice points output in addition to defending well. It's on guys like that, Brian Dumoulin, Jamie Alexiak, to to play the type of hockey they did last spring because it had to be all hands on deck at that point. Matt, your prediction for the series? Well, I'll say Penguins in six. I've heard five a lot, but um, I don't quite feel that way. I don't think the Penguins are going to be absolutely on all cylinders to start this series. It may take them a game. They may even drop a game at home here to start. But by the end of the series, I expect to see the fully armed and operational battle station. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I do like that one. Uh, Hey, Geico, why are uh, the Northsiders such big babies and the Southsiders playing baseball today in Chicago? What the hell happened? Well, if they were tough like the Pirates, who haven't played a game above 40 degrees, they definitely would have uh, rolled the ball out at, at Wrigley this afternoon. That's I think the they're just trying to keep the uh, Pirates out of their element, Geica. <laughs> it might be that, too. Well, uh, Wrigley at any time of the year, though, it's never great. So I don't really know what they were talking about today. They could have played that game. Uh, they took advantage of the off days tomorrow, I suppose. They did, and it pisses me off. Goodbye, Geica. Thanks for taking the time, buddy. Goodbye. You got it. Have a good one. You, too. Matt Geica, PittsburghHockeyNow.com. They do a great job. Shelly Anderson, Dan Kingersky, uh, of course, Matt Geica, and Bob Grove over there. Uh, so many great hockey outlets in town, and we do a pretty damn good hockey radio show. Coming up next, don't let anyone tell you how to drink in your 2018 Pittsburgh Pirates. And we'll hear from my grandma. It's Crowley Show. Brian, today he'll be back with us on Wednesday. We'll be live at Buford's Kitchen, the Terrace on 5th, before the Penguins play the Flyers. But because there is no Brian, we have gotten two calls already for Smokey Report. We're going to have Katie read one. We're going to have me read one. 
And we'll see if either of us can do them better than Brian, and we'll see if either of us can do better than the other. Before that, though, the Pirates were supposed to play today. They are not. My grandma's high as all get out on these Pittsburgh Pirates. I don't know if she knows that today's game's been postponed. Let's give her a ring right now. Grandma. Yes, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm fine. It's Adam. Except, except I know, I love you, I know your voice. Uh, yeah, I thought I would be getting a call from you. <laughs> well, the game's delayed today, or, or postponed. Well, I tried to put it on. It was supposed to be on, what, at 135? Uh, 235, 220. 220, yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah, I put it on, and uh, uh, it wasn't on, so I turned it off. So I thought it was supposed to be playing this afternoon. Yeah, they postponed it because they're soft out there in Chicago. They didn't want to play in the snow, those bunch of babies. Oh, is it snowing in Chicago, huh? Yeah, but the White Sox are playing on the other side of town. So the Cubs, they just didn't do a good enough job cleaning the field. Hey, what do you think about our Pirates? They're doing, how about... How about yesterday? He went the whole way. I, oh, I just love Tyler, whatever his name is. And, and, uh, Blanca's doing good. And, uh, hey, they're all, I told you all they needed was a little bit more practice, Adam. You did. You nailed it. Yes, yes. They're yeah. seven and two. They got the best record in the division. They were beating up on the Reds. The Reds gave them trouble last year. Did they? Yeah. Well, anyhow, I was so happy that we won. And I told you they just needed a little bit more practice. And now Polanco's back in the game, and he's doing good. And uh, that uh, Moran's doing good, and Nova's doing good. And then what's this their new guy? Dickerson. Dickerson. He's going to be good. He's uh he's having a better year than McCutcheon is so far. Yeah, well McCutcheon had a low st- slow start, but they said he he was he took his uh his uh rating from point to he doubled it. He made he was really good in his last game. He was. He went six of seven, he hit a walk off home run, but he's hitting like two fifty I think on the year. Yeah. He had a slow start, but they said they feel that he's going to, uh, it just takes him slow to warm up. Sure. But uh, I told you our guys are going to be good. They are new, but they just need a little bit more practice. And I think we're doing per- terrific. And I think we're going to have a good ball team. They're certainly hitting the ball. And Tyon's performance yesterday was so good. We don't get that a lot from the starters. They usually don't go that deep. No, they never go past five, five and a half, six. But you know what? Isn't he the one that has cancer? He did. He did. Yeah, it's gone now, though. Oh, is it? Is yeah. I, he's not in remission? It's gone all the way? I don't know the particulars. He's okay now, though. Yeah. And I and he takes it just so calm, you know? And boy, was I rooting for him that they wouldn't take him out. And you heard what the announcer said. What did... Uh, uh, he come up and say in the eight, eight, in the eighth and ninth, top of the ninth. 
He said, you think you could do it? He said, yep. He says, well, it's yours. <laughs> Grandma, you are 90 years old, and you know more about the Pirates than I do. Yeah. And he let him continue. He said, you can." He just wanted to relax him, and he didn't want to take him out unless he wanted to be taken out. He said, do you think you can do it? He said, yes, I can. He said, well, then it's yours. Go, go for it. Hey, I got to yeah. run, Grandma, but 3.20 tomorrow they're playing. 3.20 tomorrow. 2.20. 2.20 our time. 3.20 Chicago time. 2.20 our time. Well, it's postponed all again. Today it's not going to play at all. Right, right. Okay, thanks for letting me know. I love you so much. Love you too, lady. Be good, all right? I will. Bye-bye. Love you. Bye. He's bound and down, loaded up and trucking. Are we going to do what they say can't be done? Breaker, breaker, one nine. We got a baby bear playing Road Ranger in a brown paper bag, sliding slips and collecting autographs on McKnight Road near the Clown Burger. Slow your ride and let it glide, or else Leo will tan your hide. It's a smoky report. If you see a Miss Piggy, a Mama Bear, Papa Bear, Bear in the Bushes, or a Bear in the Air, give us a holler and we'll get you home without the extra freight. 412-922-2874. And remember, always keep your shiny side up and your skin on the ground. Over and out. He's pounding down, loaded up and trucking. Are we going to do what they say can't be done? We've got a long way to go. And it's I nailed it. Time to get there. I'm he's pounding down. I nailed it. How about that, Brian? Let's see what Katie's got. <clears throat> <clears throat> Are we going to do what they say can't be done? Breaker Breaker 1-9 got a 20 on a county Maui and a plain white wrapper handing out driver awards heading into hole on 376 Pacific Bound. So if you got your boogie on, drive back to sick or else you'll be dropping your Hancock. Oh, yes! For if you see a Miss Piggy, a Mama Bear, a Papa Bear, a Bear in the Bushes, or a Bear in the Air, give us a holler and we'll get you home without the extra freight. 412-922-2874. And remember, always keep your shining side up and your skin's on the ground. Over and out. He's bound to die. If she doesn't laugh there, she crushes me. Yeah, she had you beat the wow. whole way, and then she blew it with the laugh. I think I, I think I popped something. Adam, you were excited. You were like out of the gate fast. Like you, you went running with it. I was worried that you weren't going to get the timing right, but you recovered flawlessly. I'm going to have to give it to Adam after the laugh. Well, I'm sorry you laughed. It was only the laugh, though, because, Katie, your accent was better because you accent. hung out with Bobby Bones this weekend, and it <laughs> rubbed off on you. Hope that that was the only thing it did. And I'll tell you what. I had to say Hancock. You had to say Hancock. Come on. You laughed at Hancock? Is that why you laughed? Yeah. Why? Because cock? Yeah. Okay. It's time for our new favorite segment around the bags. Time to go around the bags with the biggest D-bag on the Pittsburgh airwaves, Adam Crowley. Will Graves considers his Tinder dates a bust if he doesn't get to first base. Yesterday, Jamison Tyon looked every bit as good as the guy we all think he can be. Jamo allowed just four base runners in his complete game shutout. He's an all-star quality pitcher when he's not hurt and, you know, doesn't have cancer. Two years ago, he had an ERA in the mid-threes. Take a few starts out last year and he... Would have been right there again. Tyon is one of the best righties in the National League. 
The Pirates now have a guy that they can count on every fifth day. He's also embracing the leadership role, according to everyone you talk to. That guy, I think he's the best player on the team. Looking like Colin Moran probably makes it tough for you to get to. Second base. You know, because of the nasty beard. Tyon's nine innings helped the bullpen stay fresh. And it also helped us from witnessing awful pitching. Here's some ERAs from the Bucks bullpen. 12.27, 9.82, 9, 7.2, 5.4, and 4.5. Spoiler alert, that's not good. The Pirates starters have been fine. The team ERA is 17th because of the pen. They don't have the horses. The Pirates rotation needs to pick up the slack and follow Tyon's example. Back in Brian's heyday, dinner and a movie usually was a one-way ticket to third base. I hope Gregory Polanco keeps this up. He's leading the league in RBI right now. He just hit his third bomb of the season, and he's getting on base at a 447 clip. We've seen flashes from this guy in the past, but this is unreal. If he can keep it up, the Pirates will be competitive. He's the best hitter they have right now. By the way, Kutch went 6 of 7, including a walk-off home run on Saturday. He's hitting 250 with a 621 OPS. Corey Dickerson, the Kutch replacement, is hitting 303 with an 899 OPS. Suck on that, Kutch. It was a great moment for McCutcheon. I am rooting for him, but he's being outperformed by Dickerson right now. In college, whiskey would typically prevent me from going for home. The Reds were 12-7 and against the Pirates last season. The Pirates are now 3-1 and against that club right now. They have a soft early season schedule. Pun intended. They need to take advantage of it. Bucks are obviously postponed today. Global warming my ass, you silly libs. And the fat lady is singing her beautiful music. Another one in the books for Adam. A flawless around the bags performance. Adam wins. Adam wins. If you're enjoying the Pirates' success, that's great. If not, I also get it. But you're not going to hear me scream at you one way or another. I have said I've started the Pirates' mutiny. Arrgh! But that doesn't mean that I'm going to throw rocks at you or dunk your head in the water or give you a swirly if you do go to the Pirates games. That being said, I set the over-under for Pirates sellouts this year at 3. 14,000 people showed up for fireworks night and free shirt Friday. They gave out free shirts and you get to watch things explode and the team's playing well and only 14,000 y'all showed up. 11,000 people showed up yesterday. To watch Jamison Tyone throw a nine-inning shutout. That's a complete game shutout for those of you who know baseball lingo. People don't care right now. Usually the Pirates are getting 25,000, 26,000 people in their opening weekend series of the year. Weather has something to do with this, but I think it's just the lack of faith and ownership. And finally, just finally, someone on the radio said, let's start this boycott. This mutiny, and it was me. It's because of me that the Pirates fans aren't showing up. I like it. Coming up next, it's not 2012. You know how I know? I'm a lot skinnier. It's a Crowley show.
Hi, Tom Baudet with a word on fusion cuisine, where you mix one country's food with another one. I always call that stew, but whatever gets you to dessert. But whether you like a French vigisoise with Thai chili oil, or you're more into the fusion of American burger and French fry, you'll save more for that meal at Motel 6. It's an intriguing mix of clean, comfortable, and low prices, or as we fusionistas call it, Colo. I'm Tom Baudet from Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. Do you think Brian's listening? I don't know. What do you think he thought of those Smokey reports? I, I think he, he thought mine was great. Yeah, he got a little outshone there. He did. He might just want to stay in Baltimore, honestly. I'm a professional broadcaster. Hey, you know what? You know what, Brian? If you're out there, just you can take the rest of the week, okay? We don't need you back.